Welcome to the Supernatural Cast, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. Hey, welcome back to the Supernatural Cast. I am Jimmy and Georgia, your host, as usual, and we are back here to talk a little bit more Supernatural. And I know that I am rather slow in editing and releasing things sometimes, and I will be out of town for like four days coming out pretty soon. So this might not get released for over a week, and I realize that as I'm recording now. <laughs> So hopefully it won't take that long to get this posted, but we shall see. At the time of recording, we're just a few hours away from the release date of Season 7 on DVD and Blu-ray. I hope to have one of those in my possession very soon. I uh, don't think I ever mentioned this in any episodes up to this point, I don't guess. I know I started off the podcast saying how I'd bought all the six seasons that were available at the time, or the five that were available at the time, purchased season six in hopes to catch up prior to season seven. And uh, I never did, actually. I haven't seen any part of season seven. And I have heard a few things here and there, spoileries about characters and deaths and different things that happen here and there. But, you know, that's what happens when you're on Twitter and things. But haven't uh, haven't had a chance to watch those yet. And last fall... Um, and actually for almost a couple years now, uh, I didn't have cable. I didn't pick that back up over the spring. I was pretty much relying on the DVD Blu-ray collection along with Hulu and uh, Netflix. And so between those things and, and now even with Amazon Prime Video, there's all sorts of things you can watch without paying for you know, basic cable or digital cable or satellite or whatever it is. Um, but it is easier to catch up on things like supernatural like supernatural was featured on hulu there were some episodes featured on i guess like the cw app but um those were never current i mean well they were very current they would only be the most recent like five episodes and if you missed part of those you couldn't really get caught up and uh, i never did uh do a digital purchase you know through itunes or through amazon or somewhere like that to, to view season seven so have not watched that yet so i do hope to catch that and I guess if I get caught up before season eight starts, and especially now with the cable, make that a little easier to watch the new season. We'll see what happens. I have heard good things about the new showrunner and how it sounds, just from the things I've heard that this new season is kind of going to return to the roots um, that made us all come to know and love Supernatural, just kind of a uh, hunting things, fighting evil, the whole family business stuff. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. So hopefully we'll get to get caught up on that. And okay, so. Here this week, we're finally getting around to discussing Scarecrow. Again, one of those early episodes. Pretty much the first season I really enjoy. Not that I don't enjoy other things too, but every episode I'm like, man, this is another good one. Oh man, this is another good one. And uh, it kind of keeps up that way. And there were definitely some awesome things in this episode as far as character development and uh, foreshadowing things to come. Uh, Definitely some important characters introduced, some important concepts to kind of start thinking about and and i guess this little brief little time here has already kind of ran over some of the supernatural news and uh, some of the initial reactions here too so i guess we'll we'll go ahead and jump into a few things about who the guest stars were and uh that type of thing and then get into some discussion about scarecrow be fun okay well most notably obviously i guess i guess it would be to you if you've seen supernatural would be meg masters who is portrayed 
uh, very nicely here by Nikki Acox. And she appeared, I believe it was around six times here on Supernatural. Five, no, five times. And uh, later on, that character was portrayed by others since, you know, it was a demon possessing a body. So they were, you know, able to swap her out later on in the series. But Nikki here, uh, I think, did a great job. And she's still the one I would, you know, most, I guess, associate with the character, even though I honestly think that other girl played her more later on. Anyway, there are some other people, obviously, that were guest stars or guest cast in the episode, but... She's the only one in my mind that really sticks out apart from William B. Davis, who most of us would know as the smoking man on the X-Files. The trivia on Internet Movie Database says that he actually quit smoking in the late 70s, <laughs> which is kind of funny. He's definitely been in tons of things you know, outside of the X-Files, but to me that was really the thing um, I knew him from. He was in like 37 episodes of that show. And so I really just, I mean, there's other people who are in the show, obviously, but I don't think there's anyone else that needs mentioning. There's no one I don't think that's important to the legacy of Supernatural and no other really notable faces outside of William B. Davis and Nikki A. Cox. Well, actually, I guess there's one more. <laughs> they did hear from their dad, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, obviously, who's, you know, definitely a big part of the mythos of the show. And was, you know, here recently in the number one movie in America for a couple of weeks. The Possession, which I've tried to avoid at all costs. Yes. Jeffrey D. Morgan as John Westchester did appear in 13 episodes of Supernatural. And uh, he, you know, made a brief appearance here. And we'll see him again, I think, fairly soon on down the road. All right. Well, that's enough, I guess, of guest stars and notable appearances for this episode. We're going to jump into our next part of the show and that's going to be our supernatural recap where we're going to recap scarecrow and uh we're going to hit that music and get going with that supernatural recap scarecrow on the dvd menu as we're apt to do uh, is broken down into five portions uh well six i guess if you include the credits number one is straw man number two is stranded number three the veneer Number four, Sacrifice. Number five, Fire and Blood. And there's all sorts of things here we can talk about along the way. Obviously, Burkittsville, Indiana is not a real place. We'll get to talk about that, I guess, in the, our Supernatural Travelogue, which I forgot to do last episode with Rockford, Illinois, which I do actually think is a real place, but I totally forgot that part of the show last week. Or, I say last week, last month, I guess now. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. I mean, it's one of those common themes you see in movies. There's a small town. There's these really nice people there, and uh, something sinister is going on. In this case, they are sacrificing people to their pagan Norse gods in order to have a plentiful harvest and favor in their town and those kind of things. And we get you know more in depth into that as we go along. And it does start off with a uh, scene just like we see actually later on that Dean kind of interrupts. You know, there's nice people. I'm giving uh, this couple that are leaving town, they fix their car, trying to give them back to the interstate. They even gave them an apple pie. Um, They get a little ways down the road near an apple orchard. They hear some noises. Their engine turns off, and apparently their Mustang has overheated. There's no cell service out there. And then creepy stuff starts happening, as they are wont to do on Supernatural. And this is where we are introduced to the very creepy Scarecrow. And the uh, boyfriend, I believe it was, makes a uh, pop culture reference there we'll get to later on. 
But we do notice that it's head turn. So, um, okay, let's get the heck up out of here. They try to start to leave, I guess. We hear leave rustling. We hear noises. And eerie moans, actually, as well. They run. And then Vince, the uh, boyfriend or husband or whatever, disappears. Holly is left alone. We get lots of POV shots here. She falls down, as every woman does, I think, in every horror movie who's running from something. And she actually falls over Vince, who's already been attacked by the Scarecrow. And then we hear her scream as the Scarecrow approaches. And one thing that, again, I guess this is a pop culture reference. This is something I thought of. I don't know, what do you want to call it? The mount where where they place the scarecrow? It's almost kind of like a cross. It looks very similar to what they used in the season, or actually the series premiere of Smallville, where Clark is tied up to the... To the little pole, the little cross-looking thing out in the cornfield for the like corn festival or whatever it was in that episode. It very well could be the same prop. Who knows? You know, Wonder Brothers could be recycling some some things that way. Well, Sam and Dean are asleep. The cell phone rings, and this is pretty much where the last episode ended, where um, Sam picks up the phone. He's like, "Dad," and this I think I think I mentioned this last episode. Um, how I really feel like Sam doesn't like being called Sammy. Because that's what his dad called him. His dad you know, says says Sammy to him over the phone. And then he tells him he's okay. He can't tell them where he's at. And we do learn here that he is after the thing that killed their mom or his wife. And you know, As far as their dad's perspective goes. And he, he does say that it's a demon. And he also says he knows about what happened to Jess, Sam's girlfriend. And uh, John does think he's closing in on this thing, which is cool. He's trying to get the boys to stop looking for him. And then he gives them some names and tells them to do their job. And Sam's definitely upset by all this. They figure out pretty quickly, it seems, as always, as as people are apt to do in these type of shows, whether it be Willow on her 1997 internet or here, Sam, just because he's smart and reads books and uses a cell phone or whatever. They find out these people, there are three couples from Washington, New York, and Colorado. They were all on a cross-country trip, and they all happened to go through a certain portion of Indiana in April. And that certain time of year in April happens to be just in a couple days from now, which works out really well for Sam and Dean to try to go investigate the shenanigans going on up there. And Sam and Dean kind of have a uh, power struggle here, I guess, a little bit. How Dean has pretty much always been loyal to their dad, and this is a theme that's already been up before. And and he just wants to follow directions and go take care of some you know, business. And whereas Sam doesn't want to just follow orders, he wants to go find their dad. He says that he did trace the call from their dad to Sacramento, and he wants to head to California. And he doesn't care about those orders. And it, basically Sam's wanting uh, answers, I guess, from their dad and revenge on the thing that killed their mom and his girlfriend. And we find out here it has been six months um, since his girlfriend was killed, you know, so six months have passed in these eleven episodes of the show, which is pretty fast, I'd say, in TV time. You have a show like The Walking Dead over two seasons, you've gotten what a few weeks, maybe three, four weeks total, um, and here we have six months over eleven episodes, which is pretty cool. So basically, after they kind of fight about this stuff, they stop the car. Sam gets all this stuff, walks away um, after their little fight, and Dean leaves him behind, and so. This is definitely causes some interesting things to happen because they're split up. 
Um, we do see this nice little town again. Dean drives in. Um, he goes around looking um, for some answers. And uh, he meets up with Scotty. And the funny thing here is every episode, basically, and I, maybe sometimes we don't know the names because a lot of these people we wouldn't know the names of, which works out pretty well for him. But in this case, he goes up to Scotty and he says his name's John Bonham. And the guy's like, like from the guy from Led Zeppelin, the guy's like, oh, I'm surprised you knew that. So <laughs> for once, somebody caught his reference. He, he basically is asking about Vince and Holly, the couple that disappeared a year ago, saying they were like friends of his or something. He's looking for him. He's trying to get some answers. People definitely aren't taking too kindly to that. And um, given the whole not too many strangers come through these parts, you're not from around here, are you, boy? That kind of thing, except they're not really southern rednecks, but whatever. We do see some rednecks pretty soon, I think, in the show, next few episodes. Sam runs into a girl, you know, a pretty blonde lady on the side of the road, which seems kind of weird. He offers to try to help. She refuses to tell him where she's going, and then a white van stops and offers her a ride, and she hops into this shady van. You know, Sam, she doesn't trust, but she'll trade trust shady van guy, which is kind of strange. Of course, we know more about her than Sam does at this point. And then we do see, see the scene where Dean does talk to the people from the beginning of the episode, from the um, diner garage slash free pie incident. <laughs> and here we have like the, the daughter, but we I think find out a little later on it's actually the niece um, mentions something about tattoo. Like she actually like recalls these people, and she doesn't seem to be quite in on the cult or whatnot because she's not you know really from there. She just, just lives there with her aunt and uncle. Okay, I'm sorry if I've kind of gone in and out from the mic. I'm looking at my notes, and I guess I don't have the microphone placed in a very good position to do so um, as I am looking at my, I think, six or seven pages of notes here. So Dean, after having this information about the tattoo or whatever, he goes out of town um, in the direction that they were supposed to be leaving towards the interstate. His EMF detector does go off, and he stops at that apple orchard, and he sees the fugly, in his word, scarecrow. And the tattoo that he had described or whatever found out about was on the tattooed arm of the scarecrow. It's kind of crazy. And uh, Dean gets all up close and personal with the scarecrow, but nothing happens at this point. He goes back into town, talks with the uh, niece at this point, Emily. And uh, she, we find out, came here into town at 13. She's definitely not local. And uh, she thinks it's a nice little town. But it is not suffering like the towns around her, losing homes and farms. And they're definitely blessed. And that is one of those things, you know, as far as this whole Norse god blessing of plenty or whatever they invoked with these sacrifices. It reminds me of a kind of a recent movie. Maybe you've checked it out, maybe you haven't. I think I might have mentioned it on one of the podcasts. I don't know if I mentioned it here. Um, on Netflix, Instant Watch is still there. There's a movie with Sean Bean you may know from The Lord of the Rings, from GoldenEye. And the James Bond series, um, the Game of Thrones. He is one of those character actors who just looks like he belongs in some medieval time. And he's been in many of those type of movies and shows and stuff. Well, he was in a movie called Black Death. Um, I think it released last year sometime. Really enjoyed it. It was kind of low budget. And I feel like it, it's basically what the season of The Witch with Nicolas Cage should have been. It was probably made for like a tenth of the budget. And so if you're bored one Saturday, you want to check out an interesting story about something kind of like this. Um, it's pretty interesting. There's like the church officials 
hear about this town that's been supposedly protected from the plague, and they send in Sean Bean and some of his other, I guess they're all knights, I don't know officially, but they're, you know, the military of the age, and they go in to investigate, you know, the witch that's supposedly there protecting the town with her, you know, curses or spells or whatnot, and they want to see what's going on. It definitely has some pretty good twists and turns, and I, I don't know if that was a good movie. So if you haven't already, if you have Netflix, check out The Black Death. All right, so we can catch back up with Sam. He is at a bus stop. He's trying to get that bus to Sacramento, but unfortunately it doesn't run, I guess, till tomorrow at 5.05. We can hear some Credence Clearwater revival in the background, which is always fun. And then Sam almost calls Dean on his Blackberry, but then he sees the blonde uh, Meg again. <laughs> she says that the guy in the van was all hands. She had to cut him loose, and we can only imagine what that meant. She may have literally cut him loose like we see later on in the episode. Um, Sam does here share his plans to go into California. Uh, apparently so is she. And then they actually are introduced, you know, as Meg and Sam. Dun, dun, dun. And so this definitely leads later on to all sorts of craziness for Sam, albeit with a different body that Meg is possessing. Back at Scotty's place in the town, there was a new couple there. Dean walks in and talks to the couple. Scotty doesn't bring the coffee and pie that Dean orders. And uh, pretty soon after trying to talk with them, we have the sheriff come into town and pretty much run Dean out of there, follows him out of town. But one thing that was funny there in the midst of all this, Dean tries to put on some charm and talk to them and try to get them to listen about what's going on. It doesn't work. And he's like, you know, Sam, just give him the puppy dog look and they'll buy out and everything. But, you know, unfortunately that doesn't work for Dean. We go back over to Sam and Meg and she talks about how she was wanting to get away from her family. And, and, you know, her story definitely strikes a chord with Sam, and I'm sure it was meant to, about controlling parents and expectations and all those things. And so, Sham stares about Dean and their road trip. Obviously not everything uh, here, even though I probably think at this point Meg is sent on a mission to intercept them and to, you know, whatever, since they're important players, as we find later on, especially in the universal war of good and evil. So Dean does sneak back into town after dark. Couple are actually out in the orchard now. The scarecrow is on the prowl. They see the thing and run away. Dean shows up with his shotgun, but this thing isn't just a spirit. It is physical. There is mass there, and it has very little effect, his, his little rock salt bullets. Cut back over. Meg's asleep, and Sam and Dean finally get to talk. Here, Dean tells Sam about the scarecrow and how he climbed off its cross, Sam thinks it's a spirit. Dean says it's a god, a pagan god. And he talks about how there's annual killings. There's always a man and a woman, some kind of fertility rite, last meal, Christmas turkey kind of stuff um, for the sacrificial victims. Dean plans to go over to a community college to do a little research. And kind of in their own way, they do kind of start to apologize to one another. Dean said he's proud of him and admires him for standing up to their dad. And then we see Meg is awake and she asks about the call. We we see uh, Dean is over asking some research questions um, about pagan idolatry to the smoking man from the X-Files. And he says that Indiana is not known for local lore. He asks about Burkittsville. And the fella says that the ancestors from there or from northern Europe, Scandinavia, um, Norse gods and goddesses and stuff like that are brought up. And this is the rule for every supernatural, and not necessarily that this is a supernatural show, but shows that deal with supernatural things, whether it be a Buffy or an angel or whatever. I'm sure it's on Grimm. I haven't really watched that one. Big books always hold the answers, no matter what. So (laughs) 
we uh, we see here that it was a woods god, a veneer, which was a Norse god of protection and prosperity that would keep local sediment, settlement safe from harm. Apparently, it goes into pretty good explanation here that the villages built effigies of the veneer in their fields. Other villages practiced human sacrifices, one male, one female. And energy sprung from a sacred tree. It's like, okay, dude, if you're working with these people from Perkinsville, why would you tell him any of this? Why would you even allow him to get anywhere near this information? Why wouldn't you make up something that was totally wrong or just tell him, oh, nope, nope, don't know anything about that and uh, get rid of him? He does say, oh, oh, these are just legends. But he's in on this whole thing. The sheriff shows up and is waiting for him. And so here uh, we, we see the his name is Harley, the, the gentleman there in the town, doesn't want to give up his niece. Um, however, his wife says that I guess the god is angry and the trees are beginning to die. Tonight is the seventh night of the cycle. This is their last chance. So Aunt Stacy and Uncle Harley put Emily down in the cellar with Dean. We cut back over. Meg is talking with Sam as the bus comes in. Sam is actually headed to help Dean. And she she does try to talk him out of it, but Sam... Here we do see he still cares about his family, even though sometimes he acts like he doesn't. So Dean tells Emily about the sacrifice. He asks about a really old tree, and there is one apple tree there that the immigrants brought with them. So that's the one. And um, the aunt, she's a crazy lady, um, talks about sacrifices, about giving up something you love for the greater good, and the town needs to be saved. And they actually give the Star Trek speech from the Wrath of Khan. The good of the many outweigh the good of the few. And then it gets dark and Dean still doesn't have a plan. It's the scarecrow's coming. Oh wait, no, it's just Sam coming to save the day. He has stolen a car and he's gotten there and the scarecrow is off its cross once again. They're running looking for the sacred tree. Um, the leather-faced type um, scarecrow and the town folks kind of draw their guns and surround them and stop them from leaving. And then we have Uncle Harley getting killed. Uh, but then the aunt is grabbed. So Sam, Dean, and Emily get out and they head back the next morning. They find the old tree with Norse writing on it and burn it. And basically they say the whole town is going to die. And I don't know if that means literally the people are all going to die. It's just the town itself. And, and we, you can get all the sorts of questions at that point. You know, were these the same people who came over for, with the with the immigrants or are these their descendants? I'm assuming they're the descendants. I don't think these people are hundreds of years old or anything. It's just they've been you know, practicing this religion of pagan god worship you know, for a really long time. But anyway, Emily heads off to Boston, we find out. So good luck with that. And then Sam and Dean go off together, and they still want to find their dad. But Sam does pretty much say something to the effect of, you're all the family I have left, and they're going to see this through together. We hear a little bad company playing in the background. And then we have Meg, and she's in yet another van. She asks the guy to pull over. She slits his throat, fills up his blood in a cup, and then calls her demon boss. Is it a spoiler alert if I'm talking about a season that aired like eight years ago or something? I don't know. <laughs> but she's calling her demon boss, so we find out more about pretty soon and get his name, I think, in season two. She does speak in Latin, and little stuff happens in a little blood and whatever. And that's pretty much the end of the episode and my throat is hurting so i'm gonna stop recording right there and we'll be back with more supernatural after these messages hey do you know a good podcast to listen to about falling skies yes mr wayne 
Falling Skies cast with Jimmy in Georgia. I'm not familiar with that. I don't think that's in my back computer. Oh, it should be. It's a great show. Follow him on Twitter. The Falling Skies. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm Batman. Don't forget to go over to fallingskiescast.com as well. I have to put an iPod on my utility belt. You have my permission to listen, Mr. Wayne. Supernatural 5 will count down the top five pivotal moments of this week's episode. I have been meaning to make some Supernatural commercials. But anyway, we are going to get into our Supernatural 5, the part of the show where I count down five pivotal moments of the episode. And Dean is going to start off number five, by the way. Dean continues to follow his orders from their father, whereas Sam doesn't want to, and that causes them to split up here early on in the episode. And, I don't know, obviously... In the grand scheme of things, they're they're doing the right thing here by f- by solving mysterious um, murders and evil spirits and all these things. Like this case, they're gonna save people at least two people a, once a year for forever, I guess, from here on out in this small town where people would have been dying and killed and whatnot. So it's good stuff. I don't know. I feel like we've talked about this quite a bit. Just you know, Sam's resentment to their father and Dean's loyalty and. And Dean even says at one point when he's trying to apologize to Sam, he kind of admires or even looks up to him in the way that he stands up to their dad. And that's something that Dean says he could not do. And I don't know, I think we've definitely touched on that quite a bit. So I'm going to leave that at number five. Number four this week, they destroy the ancient apple tree, um, which we learn in the um, season one official companion, I think was actually a hazelnut tree. But either way, <laughs> that's what we find out. But this was the source of all the power and blessings and goodness that was going on there. Anyway, this you know this episode's from season one. Obviously, this this aired prior to kind of the economic collapse that our country is kind of going through the past like four or five years. So it's kind of interesting to hear them talk about how their town has been protected from all the you know job losses and homes and farms losses and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting. That will be no more. And they make a statement here. I think I mentioned this earlier. You know, I think Sam or Dean one says I think it was Dean. This whole town's going to die, and so. I still don't know that that would necessarily just like everyone in the town is going to keel over once the tree is burned up, but I would have to think that all of the good things that have been taking place there would go away and, you know, the town would kind of fall apart. But I don't know, that's kind of an interesting thought. You know, what happened to Burkittsville, Indiana once the Winchesters left town? And what happens to a lot of these places once the Winchesters leave town? We very rarely have a return visit. I think in season six... We had one of those where Sam went back to a place he didn't remember going or whatever that whole deal. I mean, you know, there's a lot of complicated stuff going on in season six, and but it's still good. I, one of my favorite episodes is in season six, even though I know some have complained. I mean, but honestly, it's one of those things. Season five finale was amazing. I uh, can't get much better than that. So I hope, I hope definitely people have stuck it out and are continuing to watch the good old-fashioned Supernatural. Anyway, we're going to go on into number three, and these are kind of related as they almost always are. Sam talks to Dean, they kind of make up a little bit, and Sam goes to help him. Even though this, you know, little blonde is like, hey, give with me to California. Sam's like, no, I need to go and uh, help my family. He's all I got left. And so that's pretty cool. I don't know. We definitely get that impression sometimes, you know, that Sam doesn't care about his dad or his brother, but he definitely does. And this is a good indication of that. And then the other thing with this whole Meg situation. You know, granted, later on, she definitely plays some important roles in the show. But even right now, just as far as, you know, Sam knowing a cute young lady, you know, or whatever, 
I don't know. It's one of those things. Sam's only had... It's been six months since his girlfriend died, and he's been going through some crazy mess. He's been very angry, very bitter. He's been seeking revenge. He started having all these psychic stuff going on. And so, definitely not the best time to start a relationship, especially when you're um, on the road all the time as a hunter. So, interesting to think about that. But anyway, we're going to move on in to number two. And this one I think is definitely important. These last two are just kind of focused on uh, more important things to, to come, I guess. Number two, Sam does talk to his dad. Dad does call him Sammy, but that's not what impo- what's important there. What's important there is that their dad says he's getting closer to the thing that killed their mom and Jess. And he, found, he has learned at this point that it is a demon. Now granted, as we move forward, we know more about him. You know, if they're for a while, they have one name for him. And then we actually find out his, later, his real name later on. And it goes on from there. And again, I try not to get too in-depth all that stuff. So I don't want to spoil you for whatever reason you haven't seen later on. And you're just trying to, you know, kind of doing like an intro cast here. As some people are apt to do. I think for my point one, I think we're going to have to make it... Uh, a little bit of a spoiler warning here. I'm I, again. I'm trying not to go too crazy into it, just because I don't want to uh, to mess it up if you haven't seen you know more of the show. But anyway, number one, Meg, the demon possessed girl. Um, but I guess Meg is the name of the demon, not the girl. But either way, she definitely plays an important role here coming up very soon. As spoiler alert, I'm going to say is a couple of his names. The yellow-eyed demon, the um, the demon known as Azazel later on, she's, you know, working with him, and I guess at this point it was kind of like a bait or a trap or whatever trying to, to do that, or maybe it was just happenstance that they ran into each other. It's kind of odd that she just happened to be on the side of the road fairly soon after Sam and Dean split up. I would have to think they kind of saw that coming and were planning ahead and were playing a nice little supernatural game of chess there with their um, evil forces but I don't know. It's kind of interesting, I guess, with her. But definitely later on in the show, definitely some some crazy stuff to come with Meg. And I guess I guess that's going to wrap us up here on this segment. And uh, we're going to move into our next segment. And I honestly don't remember which came first, but we're going to go ahead and, and bump this one to the first spot since we missed it last time around altogether. And that's going to be our Supernatural Travelogue. It's time for the Supernatural Travelogue. All right, well, as we've already mentioned, I believe, Burkittsville, Indiana, not a real place, and that's something we like to do here in our Supernatural Travelogue. We like to say whether the places they visit are real or not. Um, But obviously, if you're a horror movie fan, which you probably are if you're watching Supernatural, Burkittsville, Maryland, was the home of the Blair Witch Project, as well as, I guess there was a... uh, a sequel to that. I saw part of it. I never actually really watched the whole thing. But anyway, this actual town there in Maryland was the uh, physical location of what was at the time, I, I guess, I don't remember if this is officially the thing. This first one I remember, like the first found footage movie where supposedly the way they were marketing this movie, that these events actually happened, that these people were young filmmakers and they went out and died in the woods and they've later on found their footage. Um, and as I remember, I literally remember people as I, as I was in college when this movie first came out, my roommate thought it was a true story, that this was legit, <laughs> as did, I guess, lots of other people. And uh, they even had like a fake documentary, I guess it was on maybe the Sci-Fi Channel or something, kind of 
chronicling the history of the evil things going on in the town. So they did a great job marketing this movie that cost very little, that made them lots of money. And so I just think that's kind of interesting. But it is interesting, too, um, as far as just the Blair Witch stuff, that the the actual movie, most of it wasn't even filmed in Burkittsville, even though that's where it was said. It was, I think most of it actually was filmed over in the Seneca Creek State Park, which is really about 25 miles away. But yeah, that was definitely kind of a big phenomenon back, I think it was in 99 as that came out. And one thing, I, another thing I remember about that is as far as the Blair Ridge Project, not too terribly long after that, they had um, the Scooby-Doo Project or something like that. It was like the, the Scooby-Doo Blair Ridge Project. And that was awesome. And they were showing it, I think, during a Scooby-Doo marathon. And so they were only showing you know, a few seconds or maybe 20 seconds of it at a time. Um, and that was actually really, really funny. Um, I But anyway, one more thing I'll say about the Blair Witch Project. I've always said, I think they just straight up stole their ending from another movie. Basically, the, the whole Monty Python and the Holy Grail kind of ends the same way. Now, it wasn't set up the same way that it ended, but it ended the actual ending of the last like shot. Um, was the same, and so anyway, uh, I've always said that. Well, that that's Burkittsville, Maryland. That, like I said, is a real place, uh, but not Burkittsville, Indiana. And and as far as the town, there's only 151 people in that little town there in Maryland. It's a small little place. Now there was a few other places mentioned in there, and we won't get into detail about those. Um, they do mention Sam talks about going to Sacramento, where their dad was, where he traced a phone call, and then Emily at the end of the show talks about going to, over to Boston. There were two places in Indiana that Dean mentioned going to prior to coming to Burkittsville. He talks about asking around about his friends in Scottsburg, Indiana, which is a real city, uh, which I think that's interesting how they'll do. They'll they'll throw in the real and the and the fake, I guess. Scottsburg is only 30 miles from Louisville, Kentucky, and this is much larger than Burkittsville, Maryland, and has a population of close to 7,000. And I don't think there's anything too awesome or whatever to talk about there, but just thought we'd mention that is indeed a real location. And then there another city he mentions is Salem, Indiana. Again, Salem, Indiana is a real place. Um, and it too is down there in kind of southeastern Indiana. Um, it has a population of around 6,300 people. It's actually kind of an interesting story that basically during the Civil War, a uh, Confederate cavalry went up there under the leadership of John Hunt Morgan after they left Tennessee, and they actually took over the town on July 10th, 1863 at approximately 9 a.m. Set up guards, burned a railroad depot and train cars and bridges. He demanded taxes from the flour mills, and they looted the stores and took $500 before taking the area at about 3 p.m. They pretty much destroyed this little town here back in 1863, but at least I guess it survived and it's still around today and it was featured somewhat briefly as a, a mention in an episode of Supernatural. So, okay, that was our Supernatural travel log. We're going to hop over into another segment that I like, one of my favorites, and uh, I always forget how I order these, so they may get mixed up if you're like, oh, the next one dish. Well, I forget. <laughs> the next one I'm going to talk about here is going to be Supernatural and Pop Culture. Supernatural and Pop Culture. And the first one this week we'll, we'll mention, I think, is going to be The Wizard of Oz. Vince, there, the early part of the show, the couple that was killed the previous year, 
when they first see the scarecrow before they run away in terror and die, he actually quotes the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz, If I Only Had a Brain, uh, which is, you know, a whole big musical number and all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah, pretty interesting. Now, The Wizard of Oz, I have to think most of us know what this is. It was a film made 73 years ago now, which is a very long time. There is a sequel or a prequel coming out soon, uh, however you want to look at that, called The Oz, Great and Powerful or something like that with... I can't think of the fellow's name. He's in Spider-Man. He's Norman Osborn's son. He's a pretty good actor. Doggone it. James Franco is going to be in that. Directed by Sam Raimi, the director of the Spider-Man films and the Evil Dead movies as well. So, interesting twist there. But this is billed, as far as I know, as a prequel to The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Anyway, we'll stop there. I already mentioned how I feel like the prop for the Scarecrow may have been recycled from the Smallville Episode season one, episode one, the premiere. Um, so I guess we won't touch on that too much. At one point, I believe it was Dean uses Yahtzee as kind of an exclamation, as people are apt to do these days. I really think that was popularized personally. I don't know this for sure, but I believe that was probably popularized by Sports Center, who, like in the mid 90s, were totally doing that all the time. When if somebody hit a home run, they would say Yahtzee or Jenga or anything they could think of. Um, to be funny and that that show used to be like so funny i haven't watched it in a while but i remember when i was in college i would actually watch it a couple times a day mostly because it was entertaining apart from sports news they were just funny back in the day we've already touched on this too i guess but we'll mention it here again in pop culture segment that dean's alias as he goes around town was john bonham and is the guy i recognize the name from led zeppelin i guess that was a little too popular to use and there's a couple of other, this is one other one I mentioned here already too. So the Star Trek um, Wrath of Khan speech by uh, Spock saying the good of the many outweigh the good of the few. So I don't really want to touch on that too much, but Wrath of Khan, definitely a good Star Trek movie, even though I'm the Star Wars guy. I don't really remember if Dean actually said it or if I just thought it of the way the guy looked, but he may have said it knowing him. I feel like Leatherface was mentioned at some points in reference to the Scarecrow. And if not, maybe that was just myself writing a note down. But I do have that on my notes here. And Leatherface was the uh, main bad guy or whatever in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. And I don't know, like I haven't seen all of those. I've seen the first couple from way back when. And I don't know, like the first one was definitely like uh, like a classic movie. Like it was made... In an interesting way, where you didn't really see the like cuts or the or the the gore specifically. I mean, there was a couple things that were definitely gory and kind of gross, but most of the time you heard the screams. They would cut away. You wouldn't actually see like the chainsaw cutting somebody's arm off or something, which definitely kind of makes it a little more creepy. I think. I mean, if you see everything, yeah, that can be scary. I guess maybe, but I mean, those those two particular kind of movies have never really freaked me out. Like the whole, like I grew up as, you know, like a 10 year old watching Freddy Krueger or Jason or any of those guys, Michael Myers. I mean, that stuff didn't ever really bother me. It was more of the the stuff growing up that bothered me with the zombie movies. And then, I don't know, I think I was in like fourth or fifth grade when I watched the evil dead and that movie freaked me out. (laughs) But a movie very similar to that, that I may have already mentioned in the last episode. I don't know what I mentioned here and there, but I really, really, really enjoyed cabin in the woods. And if you haven't checked that out, definitely check it out. Very, very fun movie to plays on all those stereotypes of the cabin in the wood type movies where a group of teenagers go out into the woods, do some typically sinful activity and then are killed. And so, yeah, 
I, I'd say check out Cabin in the Woods by, but definitely if you if you like Supernatural, I think you'd love Cabin in the Woods. But anyway, back to Leatherface. He was in those movies, and I guess he still is. Just probably a different guy now because they've made so many of them. I don't even remember. Um, I think I only saw the first two, and there's probably been several since then. I know there was one years ago that even featured a very young Matthew McConaughey before he was really like cool. Well, there wait, there was one more thing. Meg does mention drinking Cristal by the pool, and I guess that is a, a brand of champagne or wine. I don't know much about it, quite honestly. I I know I've heard it mentioned and referenced in all sorts of movies and stuff, and like I've always heard people talk about it. Because I mean, I'm not a rap guy, but I've always heard people refer to it being used in rap songs. Um, and I looked it up on Wikipedia, and apparently it's people like 50 Cent, Biggie Smalls, Puff Daddy, Jay-Z, and others have used Cristal in their um, in their lyrics. So, anyway, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll throw that in there just to, to make mention of that. And then we're going to go over into our next segment of the little show here, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Supernatural's um, folklore mythology for this week. This Week in Folklore and Mythology. The main thing here, honestly, they've explained it verbatim, basically, in the episode. Uh, I could reread what I already, I think, wrote down and we talked about in our recap. But basically, they find out that um, what they were fighting here was a pagan god uh, because of the annual killings, because there was always a man or a woman. There was some sort of a like fertility rite that gave him a last meal. There were sacrificial victims, all those kind of things. And we find out specifically that it was a veneer, a Norse god of protection and prosperity, keeping the local sediment safe from harm. You know, so the village would build effigies of the veneer in their fields. Other villages practiced human sacrifices, um, one male, one female, and energy sprung from a sacred tree. And so that was basically all just spelled out for us in the episode about their particular version of all these things here on the show. And apparently, if you go back and look up some information about Norse mythology, there are two types of gods there. There are the Asir and the Vanir, I guess is how you'd say those, and some giants. But uh, I think we see some of those kind of things represented in our modern day fictions. I know Thor is you know something that Marvel adapted years ago, using the Norse gods as a, basically a basics for their superheroes. I mean, they're, they're god likes demigods, whatever they are. But I, I, I don't know. I guess I guess theoretically they're they've kind of referred to to as gods, but. They don't really seem like gods. I, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> that's something that's definitely popular nowadays, um, especially with the Avengers that have just recently come out on DVD and Blu-ray. There's a few things listed here, and under the Norse gods and goddesses that are listed as veneers, there's only six I see here, whereas there's like 20 listed for the Azirs. I'm, I'm assuming those are like the Asgardians, maybe, because there you see Odin, you see Thor, you see Loki, you see Sif, um, Hemdall, um, Balder, the ones that we, if you're, you know, watch the movies and stuff, you're kind of familiar with, at least to some degree. Then there are the ones listed under Veneers that are like stuff I've never heard of Njord, Fearer, Freya, or something, Nana, Skade, and Skividag, or Hermo. So, don't know anything about those. If you look back at this North mythology and you look at the Marvel stuff, it, it kind of plays with it. Midgard is what they call Earth, and that's here, whereas Asgard is kind of like the heaven, which is above Earth. And in, in the Marvel universe, it's in like another part of the galaxy or whatever. They have to use the Rainbow Bridge, the uh, the Bifrost to be able to get here. 
Um, but a lot of that is taken directly from the um, the Norse legends. And then there's other stuff they don't really get into, I guess, so much in the movies and stuff just yet. Um, like Valhalla, um, where they're uh, hero dead type people go. But anyway, I think that's a basic brief couple minute rundown of that. I think we're probably okay to move on from there. And we're going to get into another segment here of the shoe. Driver Picks the Music. All right, well, it's time for Driver Picks the Music. And for one time, and I don't think this happens very much on the show, they've actually picked a great song that actually talks about what's going on in the episode. We're in the bus station, I believe. Um, I can double-check here in my notes. Let me double, I, mean, I, think this, I think this is the true statement. They're in the bus station, and we hear a little CCR in the background. And we mentioned that earlier. Yeah, we're in the bus station. We hear this song playing. And there's a song I'm going on in the background called Lodi. And uh, honestly, I wasn't familiar with this song. I've had like CCR's greatest hits and stuff back in the day on the CD and whatnot. But I don't remember this song being on there. It was on an album called Green River that was released back in 1969. It also featured Bad Moon Rising, obviously one of their big hits. But the song Lodi, it even has its own little... uh, segment on wikipedia which is kind of cool but lodi talks about a down and out musician who is you know his career is struggling or whatever and he's playing this this gig in this small town lodi and uh, it's a real place and he is basically out of money and he goes to the bar and stuff and he can't find enough money to get to the bus or a train um, fair to get back home to leave and so that's really proud and funny now granted sam has enough funds to go somewhere he just can't go anywhere because of the uh, situation there because the bus doesn't come till the next day but lodi is a real place there in the san joaquin county in california that's pretty funny i i, I like that and then at the end of the episode we have a um i don't think we've mentioned bad company on the show before uh, the name of the song and the band was Bad Company that was featured this week. Um, I know this is one of those songs I grew up with, um, having my brother being you know almost 10 years older than me. Well, anyway, Bad Company featured several people here. Um, Paul Rogers as the singer, um, Simon Kirky as the drummer with Mott the Hoople. I don't know what that's about. Mick Ralphs, King Crimson, and uh, bassist Boz Burrell. That sounds kind of funny. But anyway, they were well-known back in the 70s, mostly for songs such as Bad Company. Uh, there's a few others, Can't Get Enough, Good Lovin' Gone Bad, and Feel Like Making Love. So they were definitely kind of popular. There's some, you know, these kind of are on the classic rock stations anyway, still today. The, um, the album Bad Company, featuring the song Bad Company by the band Bad Company, <laughs> was number one on the Billboard charts. Um, sold more than 5 million copies and is one of the um, top-selling albums of the 70s. But anyway, I, I think if you're familiar with the classic type rock, you're, you're probably familiar, at least to some degree, with Bad Company. All right, well, one more was featured here in this episode. One of these, again, is only found in the uh, Supernatural Official Companion. Uh, never heard of it, never heard of the band or the group or whatever. It's called Puppet by Cole Pulpits. And if you do a Google search, it does show up under YouTube as a, a song featured in uh, Supernatural Season 1, Episode 11, Scarecrow. But 
Again, this is one of those random pieces of music, so I think we'll move on from there, and we're going to go into a little bit of Supernatural Cast feedback, where we hear from you, the listeners of the show. Supernatural Cast feedback. Now, one thing I said last time, I said, um, I guess it was almost about a month ago, a little over a month ago now, at least the last episode, that over like the hiatus, or whatever you want to call it, we'll call it a hiatus, <laughs> Um, I didn't get some mail that I had not shared on an episode because I just hadn't had one or whatever. And so I've got a few messages here I think we will uh, we'll share here this week um, from the email. And you can email us at mail at supernaturalcast.com if you'd like to you know, get in on the fun. Dan, who we've heard from before, sent us a message back in March. It's been quite a while, but we haven't had an episode until, you know, what, a month ago since then. So he says, greetings in regards to your last podcast about the episode Home. There is a topic I would, which I would be interested in hearing on your future thoughts. John Winchester. It is often overlooked that John Winchester is on a concurrent journey with his sons. At the end of the episode, John said he's looking for the truth, which could mean a number of things. But might it refer to Sam? At this point in the season, John was not learned yet that it was Azazel that killed his wife, but might have suspicions about Sam. Missouri Mosley tells him about his son's ability, but might he already be aware of it or have suspicions? What if we presuppose John has manipulated the situation to force Dean and Sam to hunt in order to draw out Sam's ability and test him? If we look further ahead at season two, both John's deal with Azazel and his final words to Dean reveal that he knows what Sam is. But working backwards, where along his journey in season one does he gain this knowledge? Could the truth John speaks of in home be referring to Sam's shining ability? Or is it this point he learns of it? Looking at the overall arc of the story, I find it interesting to ponder where John Winchester became aware of Azazel and his plans for Sam. Carry on, Dan. And so, yeah, that, that's a good point. We we definitely see there's a big plan for Sam uh, as we move forward in the show. Azazel had a big plan for him. Lucifer has a big plan for him. <laughs> so um, that's a really good point. And, and definitely John Winchester's final words to Dean, you know, not so good. So, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's be interesting to find out. I don't know if there's any... Um, Book. I know there. I know there's a few. I guess novelizations out there for Supernatural. I guess. I don't know if there's any like actual word officially like what John Winchester was really up to there in season one, when we don't see what he's really doing. I don't know if you're hearing that, but I think my dog is having a, a dream over here while I'm recording. But anyway, thanks Dan for the email. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, also got a message here from John back in April. So sorry, John. It's taking forever. He says, hey, I was just wondering if you're going to continue with the podcast. I figure it would be a lot of work. Maybe I could help. Hope everything's okay. If you're not doing any more, you did a great job and good luck with whatever you do next. And so thanks, John, uh, for the message. And finally, we're back. I don't know if you're still out there listening, but um, maybe you are. Uh, hope you are. And so maybe we'll hear from you again in the future. Um, we also heard from... Myra in Memphis, and uh, I think I think I might have I don't know if she ever emailed in at the Falling Skies cast, but I, I think I feel like she was she might have been featured on there at least one of those one of those. Anyway, she says here on April eighteenth again, a long time ago. Sorry guys, really enjoying the podcast. It is well structured and reminds me of the transmission, which was my favorite Lost podcast. 
and transmission uh, featured Ryan and Jen. They uh, live out in Hawaii. Ryan was able to go around and scout, you know, the shooting locations, take all kinds of like behind the scenes photos and stuff, give people spoilers, stuff that's going to happen. And most recently, as far as podcasting goes, um, they have had a uh, pop culture podcast. Uh, where they would do it basically five days a week. And it's a really good show. And, and currently, um, Jen has been going through some treatments for breast cancer and things. And I honestly don't know if they've decided just to wait, you know, till all that's over and maybe return or if they've kind of stopped. Like, I don't know if that's, you know, the plan. I don't know if they have plans to come back. But their um, pop spotting is still available. And I think the transmission is probably still available on iTunes if you're interested in a lost podcast or if you're interested in just random pop culture news and. Um, stuff they recommend, you know, different TV shows they would check out. They would recommend music you might want to check out. Games, like, they cover awesome stuff. And I really miss the podcast. And I hope Jen gets better soon. And I hope they come back to podcasting because they're definitely cool people. And they actually let me um, come on their show uh, last August. And we talked a little bit about Star Wars The Clone Wars. We talked a little about a movie called Black Death, which I mentioned earlier. And we also... Um, Talked about Falling Skies, since I do do a Falling Skies podcast. But anyway, um, so thanks, uh, Myra, for for that. Um, Definitely compliment. And uh, we'll move back into your email here. It says, I like the way you have sections devoted to different aspects of the show. Okay, here she goes. That is a good reason to leave in the section that could be spoilers if someone had not watched future episodes. I love that section, and would it be easy skipped over if anyone didn't want to listen? One of my favorite parts is about the music. Since I'm a bit older than you and I'm still a classic rock fan, I totally appreciate the music included in the show. Um, and as my son grew up, I listened to his music, as it was always important to him. He is 38 and still plays in a band in the Tampa area. This may have been addressed in a later episode, but Salt has been a bit of mystical to people in earlier times, probably because of its preservative and was considered a purifying agent. Um, so I can see how it would apply to the supernatural type world as something that could repel spirits. Burning remains to, to prevent ghosts from hanging around is not a new idea. Gypsies burn the caravan and belongings of someone who died to prevent attachment to the earth. It's interesting. Um, I'm sure there are other examples. Lots of beliefs exist in different cultures about haunted objects that keep a spirit tied to this life. <laughs> she says, although our boys sure do manage to find all the angriest one smiley face. One of the ways I see the show is that it is... One of the ways I see the show that it isn't our universe, but maybe a parallel one. That would explain the differences, like the places that don't exist, the way things look different from what we would expect, and the existence of much more supernatural magical stuff. My way of having that willing suspension of disbelief, which makes fictional works, both visual and written, a cooler experience. Um, And then she says, I also started listening to your Falling Skies podcast. This is a show that I've been catching up on at the insistence of my sister and her husband. Since I dragged them into Supernatural and they introduced me to Falling Skies, we have been keeping the DVR busy. Keep up the excellent work, Myra in Memphis. So thanks, Myra, if you're still out there. Hopefully you are, even though that was almost like five, six months ago at this point back in April. So I guess that was about five months ago that she emailed in. And so I hope you are still out there. Um, and thanks for the kind words. Definitely, definitely appreciate that. I do want to say thanks, too, for um, sending in some input about the salt and burning thing. I, I like what you were saying there i had not heard about the gypsy practice of burning um i guess the bodies and possessions of people um i know i think what is it hmm. i don't want to say the wrong thing one of the eastern religions practices like burning of bodies um the norse i think that was part of the norse traditions too maybe to put like um a body on a raft and burn it and send it out in the ocean 
We see that in, Dar- in Star Wars as they burn Darth Vader's body at the end of Return of the Jedi. Anyway, thank you again, though, Myra. I do appreciate your kind words. That was very nice of you to, to, to message us in like that. And again, if you'd like to send us in a message, and hopefully it won't take us four or five months to get to yours on the podcast, we can be reached at mail at supernaturalcast.com. All right. Well, also, I do want to mention a few things here from the uh, the Facebook page. And I had the Twitter account, but we honestly don't get a lot of interaction over on the Twitter account, typically. Uh, most of the interactions from, from you guys out there is over on the Facebook group. And we've had a few new people find us, I guess, the last few weeks. We're up to a total of 19 people. Woohoo! Um, so if you're out there you're listening and you haven't found us on Facebook, we definitely appreciate um, if you do. Uh, we have updated, as you may have noticed, our cover art, our um, a few other things there. I updated my, um, my, my little banner at the top of the page. I don't even know what they call it anymore. Cover photo, I guess. And um, what I did, I took my original cover art picture, like the, the higher resolution version of it, and I basically replaced the sky. The sky in the original picture is kind of, a, I guess, an orange kind of sunset type deal. And I've gone in and replaced it with like a really dark, stormy type thing and then kind of changed some colors around here and there um, just to, I don't know, mix it up a little bit here just to be fun. And the other thing was, uh, I'll mention this, is iTunes decided they want you to have a 1400 by 1400 cover image which is quite huge quite honestly most of my cover images over the years have been like 600 by 600 and so i had to redesign it and so i figured i might as well make it different and maybe better i don't know (laughs) so yeah that was part of it too but anyway we have had some interactions over here actually way back on august 31st almost a month ago now as i'm recording and hoping to get this posted soon um i mentioned that i'm hoping to record um, this evening, which didn't happen, obviously, about Super Supernatural Season 1, Episode 11, Scarecrow, and maybe have the new podcast up tonight or tomorrow. Ooh, didn't quite make that. Not really. Not not so good. But Mary says, um, good luck with it. Hope you you get great reviews on the episode. So thanks, Mary, for that. And we have some recent posts here for some others. And we're, we'll, we'll read through a few of those since our last episode. Mary again says, Something Wicked and Devil's Trap would be my favorite episodes from Season 1 at the moment. Um, Still can't wait for updates on Season 2. Also, Roseanne says, Thanks for doing a podcast for Supernatural. I just started listening to yours two days ago, and I can't wait for the recording of Scarecrow to come out. Looking forward to more of your podcast. And then, looks like Wednesday, a couple days ago, um, as of recording, because it's recording right now, it's actually, we're over to September 29th. I started this... I guess the 17th or 18th of last week, a few days before I was going out of town for those four days that I mentioned, and I uh, didn't finish it, and so I've come back here kind of the next weekend, because usually, honestly, usually the weekend's the time I have a little bit of free time to do this, and I'm not tired and stuff after work and whatnot. But anyway, we are here on the 29th, and she made that comment on the 26th of September. Um, and then also on the Thursday, on the 27th, Christina says, What day in October does Season 8 start? And so it's Wednesday, October 3rd, which at the time of recording right now is just four days away, basically. I mean, kind of five if you count today, if you don't count today, whatever. But it's October 3rd, and she, I told her that, and she says, Thanks. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to see it. And so, speaking of, of it being um, the date that it is now on the 29th of September... Supernatural is on Instant Watch on Netflix. I mentioned that Thursday as well on the uh, the Facebook page there. And I have started watching Season 7. I, like I mentioned earlier, I guess I hadn't seen it yet. I've seen 
three episodes as of recording here, and I really do hope to finish the other 20 before Wednesday. And then, or maybe if not Wednesday, somewhere close to Wednesday, and then we'll see what happens. What I honestly would like to do, I kind of just want to jump to Season 8 and start doing podcasts about the new season. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't want to uh, commit to that today because obviously from my track record I have been very sporadic in my podcasting um, but I do think that would definitely help me be more regularly scheduled um, having you know a schedule based on their schedule there so and it could be fun um, doing new episodes and having more like theories and stuff oh what's gonna happen because that's the stuff I miss out on with shows like Lost that was my favorite thing about Lost I loved you know, listening to Jane Jack's Lost podcast or or the transmission to or or just even thinking about it on my own. I, I thought about that show all the time and like was trying to figure out stuff. And I mean, the, I don't know. It's just that, that show, for whatever reason, really captured my imagination. I really just was huge into it. And I mean, I'm into other stuff. I'm into Supernatural. I'm into Star Wars. I'm into Fallen Skies. But like, it's not the same. Like, I like these shows. I, I mean, I might even say I love these shows, but it's not. Like Lost was for me. Lost was like an obsession. <laughs> it was it was bigger than regular TV shows in my life there for a long time, several years. I don't know. Like like I mentioned, I have a Star Wars room here in my office, but you know it's covered with posters and action figures and old vehicles and stuff, whatever. But I don't like think about Star Wars and like what's my theory on midichlorians or whatever. I I don't I don't think like that. You know I look forward to Star Wars: The Clone Wars. I watched that this morning, the season five premiere. I love it. It's a great show. I haven't even gotten to see all the first four seasons yet, but I'm, I've just said, all right, I'm going to watch this. And so I saw like half of last season and I saw this, you know, today. And so anyway, we're going to move on from here. I guess that's going to pretty much wrap up our feedback for right now. And I definitely hope to hear from you for next time. And like I said, we'll see what happens after we get caught up with season seven. Hopefully we get to start watching season eight. Um, that will be fun. All right, well, we do have a few things to wrap up here, and then we'll end our show with our Dean Quote of the Week, uh, like we normally will. And so what we'll do here, I'm going to tell you how you can get in contact with us, and then we'll play out the show with our Dean Quote of the Week and then our outro music for this week yet again. Okay, so if you haven't already, do it. You can email us at mail at supernaturalcast.com. You can um, share us your thoughts, your theories, your complaints, your hate mail for not having an episode for a month. I don't know, but I have come to the conclusion I should only record when I feel like recording versus making myself do it when I'm tired or all those other things because it's just not fun when it's like that. And so I'd rather I'd rather have a podcast once a month and do it when I want to do it and I feel like doing it and it be of some decent quality versus forcing myself to do it and not be very good quality. But anyway, we are going to tell you also that you can find us on Facebook. If you haven't already, search for us there or on Google Plus or on iTunes. You can search for Supernatural Cast and you can find us any of those places. You can also tweet to us or at Reply Us or whatever on Twitter. And as always, always try to mention this, we are Supernatural Cast. That's Supernatural without the L. Supernatural Cast on the Twitter. And so, you can also, I almost forgot about this one, you can also call into the show, leave us a voicemail, would love to hear from you in that way. Um, and I don't think we've had one of those for this show yet. And that's at 203-74-SUPER. That's 203-747-8737. And, um... We'd love to hear from you that way. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Supernatural Cast. I'm discussing Scarecrow of Season 1, Episode 11, 
And uh, now we're going to have our Dean Quote of the Week, and we're going to wrap up our show, and we'll hope to see you next time. I am Jimmy and Georgia. This has been the Supernatural Cast. Peace. It's time for the Dean Quote of the Week. Hope your apple pie is freaking worth it! So what's the plan? I'm working on it. You don't have a plan, do you? I'm working on it. Between